downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How are you today? It is a joy and a privilege to be here with you today. My wife and I were able to have a break last week, and we're so grateful that Pastor Aaron stepped in and did a great job. Did he not do a great job last week? Thank you, Pastor Aaron, our Banta Campus pastor. Hey, if you're brand new with us today at any one of our locations, whether you're watching at Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, or if you're here at Greenwood for the first time, or if you're watching online for the first time, we want to say thank you to all of our first-time guests. Thanks for accepting an invitation. Can we give it up for them real quick? Thanks so much. We've prepared for you. We've planned for you. We've prayed for you, and we're excited uh, that you're here. We have folks watching today from Florida, California. We have folks watching from Michigan today, from Pennsylvania. Whatever state that you're watching uh, today, we want to say thanks for tuning in. And uh, so we're wrapping up a series today called The Ultimate Guide. And what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is how the Bible is the ultimate guide to life, the ultimate guide to life. We've, said, we've been talking about how this book is both authoritative and comprehensive, authoritative in the sense that it's the only book ever published that has been inspired or God-breathed. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says. All scripture is God-breathed. Another version says, inspired by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, for, and for training in righteousness. In other words, this book is useful to show us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, and how to stay right. It is authoritative. It is also comprehensive in the sense that it, it tells us everything that we need to know about how to live a successful, happy, fulfilling productive life. It shows us how to do relationships well. It shows us how to do marriage well. It shows us how to reconnect with God and be reconciled to God. It shows us how to walk with Jesus and how to experience fellowship with God. It is a comprehensive book, which is why, which is why so many publishers and authors out there today take the word Bible and they put it in the title of their book. Like, the workout Bible or the real estate Bible. Last week, Pastor Aaron talked about the, the video game Bible. What was it? Um, Fortnite, the Fortnite Bible. Who knew there was a Fortnite Bible? I mean, the reason why authors do that is because this book, the word Bible, is authoritative and comprehensive. And they know if they put Bible in the title, their book is going to sell. And so we've been talking about different ideas from this book. In week number one, we talked about the law of sowing and reaping, such an incredible principle right out of this book. We also talked, week number two, we talked about Proverbs 4.23. We need to guard our heart because everything we do comes out of our heart, right? Eventually what's inside comes outside, and so we have to take care of our heart. Week number three, we talked about sharpening the saw. If you take time to sharpen the saw, you'll get more out of life with less time. That was week number three. And then last week, Pastor Aaron blessed us with a message about how to overcome pride by taking the path of 
of humility. And so today I wanna talk to you about this last principle from the word of God. These are guiding principles that I have studied, looked at over a decade through the scriptures. Here it is, let me lay it on you. If you got a pen, if you're a note taker, write this down in your notes. The more you give, the more you, say it with me, all of our campuses, live. The more you give, the more you live. In other words, true life, the life that you are looking to experience comes through giving. It doesn't come to us the way you think it would come to us. Everybody's looking for a happy life, a successful life, a fulfilling life. That sort of life comes to us in a way that that we wouldn't expect it to come to us. It actually comes to us by giving our lives away. This principle is all over the Bible. I wanna look at a specific passage in the book of Proverbs, and then we'll look at a, t- a couple of different, after, uh, different passages after that. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. This is King Solomon writing, who was King David's son. He says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and, say it with me, lose everything. A little bit more, a little bit more uh, involvement here. Say it with me, what? You'll lose everything. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, be greedy, be selfish, and you lose everything. I remember Dave Ramsey was teaching this principle one day about generosity, and he said, if you can really understand it if you think of a closed hand or an open hand. An open hand, let's just picture that resources, time, money, skill, experience, whatever you have, is in your hand, and when you open up your hand, you're giving it freely, right? It can, it can be released if you open up your hand. In addition to that, your hand is now open, and you can also receive. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, close up that hand, it's my time, it's my money, it's my skills, it's my whatever, right? (laughs) And guess what? Yeah, you might hold on to your stuff, but there's nothing else that can get in that hand because it's closed. Does that make sense? Look Look what he says in the next verse. The generous, those who are giving, will prosper. Give freely, you'll become more wealthy. Those who refresh others, those who bless others, those who help others will themselves be refreshed. This principle is all over the Bible. Give and you will receive from cover to cover. You know, sports is a, is a, is a, is a big part of our world today. Today's race day. Anybody going to the race after church today? Anybody have friends that went to the race? Okay, we have no race fans here today. That's why you're in church, okay? Racing may be the only sport where you don't have a ball. I'm sure it's not, but uh, most sports have a ball. Um, Maybe racing is not a sport. Did I just say that in Indiana? (laughs) I'm just kidding, just kidding. A lot of race fans. Uh, my favorite sport is basketball. This happens to be a signed basketball, uh, Wilson basketball, by none other than Steve Alfred. Pretty cool basketball I have here. It was just a gift someone gave me. And, you know, basketball is, is one of those sports where um, if you hang on to the ball, if you're a point guard and you hang on to the ball, if you're a shooting guard and you hang on to the ball, and all you do is dribble, 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 and hang on to the ball, what do they end up calling you? Yeah, you know what they call you, a ball hog. And the game isn't very much fun except, you know, to anybody except for you. And most of the time, ball hogs are on teams that don't win. Basketball is one of those sports where if you want to win, if you want to have a great time, if you want the game to be exciting, you actually have to get rid of the ball. You have to actually pass the ball. It's an amazing idea. And then when you pass the ball, when you give it freely, when you open up the hand, guess what happens? It comes back to you. 
In fact, if you were ever on a team with a basketball player and all they did was dribble and dribble and dribble and dribble, and then somehow miraculously you ended up with the ball <laughs> because you got a rebound or there's a turnover, isn't it interesting how you don't want to give the ball back to that guy, <laughs> back to that girl? It's like, well, you didn't pass to me, so I'm not going to pass to you. But man, when that point guard is dishing it out and the ball, the ball is moving, anybody remember watching the Lakers back in, I don't know, the 80s? I mean, or the Celtics back in the 1980s? All they did, all they did was boom, boom, passing back and forth. You give freely, the ball comes back to you. And that's how you play the game. And the game is exciting and you win. This is what Jesus taught. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 48. Listen, listen to this. Give and you'll receive. That's how it works. Open up your hand and God will put resources back into your hand. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, making room for more, running over and poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use... The amount that you give determines the amount that you will get back. Now, what does it mean, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over? Well, in Robert Morris's book, The Blessed Life, which is a fantastic book on generosity and giving and just ultra generosity, you could say that. This guy gave away cars and he gave away all of, uh, at one point he gave, all the way, gave away all of his money. I mean, this guy is incredibly generous. He's a pastor down in Texas he explains that what Jesus meant with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, was this idea that in the Old Testament, the Jewish farmers were not allowed to harvest the corners of their fields. So if their, if their field was a square or a rectangle, they had to leave the corners unharvested so that the poor people in the community can come and harvest the corners and take food home for themselves. So the poor folks would come from all over the place during harvest time, and they would bring their baskets and they would get down in the ground and they would, here's what they would do with the, they would fill up their basket, they would press it down to get as much in there as possible, they would shake it together and then they would fill it up again and press it down and shake it together and then they would fill it a third time and now their basket is overflowing and they go all the way home to feed their families with it. That's what this means. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Jesus says, you, if you want to have a full life, a life overflowing, not just with money, this isn't just a money principle, but how about physical health? How about great relationship with you, a great relationship with your spouse? How about favor at the job? How about a great, rela great relationship with your children? Like, I, there's, that, there's more ways to be wealthy than just having a lot of money in an account. And in fact, there are some people who have mountains of money in, in an account somewhere, and they are completely suffering from poverty in many other areas. You know somebody like this? Right? Give, and you will receive. In fact, the amount that you give determines the amount that you get back. Now, this is a different message from what we hear in our culture today. It really is. Happiness through generosity, fulfillment through generosity, satisfaction through generosity. Our culture tells us the exact opposite message. If you want to be happy, if you want to live a blessed life, if you want to be successful, then you need to get yours. We live in a culture today of capitalism, and I am so pro-capitalism. I'm, I'm all for it. I believe in it with all my heart. One of the downsides to capitalism is greed. Greed. Their companies will advertise to you and I, and they'll try to stir up discontent inside of us and desire inside of us to buy stuff that we don't really need. You agree? Now, again, that's one of the downsides. I'm pro-capitalism, but it's, it's one of the unfortunate side effects of it. Did you know back in 1971, the average American was exposed to 600 to 1,200 advertisements per day? 
through billboards and magazines and this and that, TV commercials per day. Today, today, in our culture, the average American is exposed to six to 12,000 advertisements every single day because of this device right here and all of the billboards that have popped up and, and all of the constant advertising in everywhere you look, there is an advertisement telling you, you need this, you need this. How many advertisements have you seen that stir up a desire inside of you to buy something for somebody else? How many have you seen? Maybe around Christmas time, there's one to buy a diamond for your wife or something like that, you know, or a new car for your husband. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> Go into thousands of dollars of debt for your spouse. Don't you love her so much? <laughs> yeah, I do. We live in a culture that says, get yours. You want to be happy? Accumulate for yourself. And here's what's interesting about this message is that we're kind of bent towards it to start with. I mean, we're born into this world selfish. Are you, are you aware of this? Like children, you and I, when we came out of the womb, we came out selfish. It's the curse from the Garden of Eden. And if you've raised children, you understand this. And if you have grandchildren, open, open up your eyes. They're not angels. Okay. They're little devils, actually. Little <laughs> devils. I'm joking a little. We are bent towards selfishness. Remember the movie Finding Nemo years ago? The, the, the scene with the pelicans? <laughs> if you're, this is the pelicans. I love that. Remember what they were saying in the movie? They were going, what were they saying? Mine, mine, mine. Like, what, isn't it amazing how one of the first words your children learn is mine? Like, who taught you that? I didn't. Mine, it's mine. We're so, we're so selfish. Grab, grab hold of stuff. Isn't it amazing how this book, which is written to adults, now, it, it, it's applicable for teenagers and middle school students and, and everybody, but, but if you look at the target audience of who this book was written to, it's written to adults. And isn't it amazing that this book has to remind us and teach us things like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another. Watch this. Above yourselves. Like, do we really need to be told that? We're adults. Do we need to be taught and reminded to not be selfish? Apparently we do. Because we're born to think of ourselves. We're born to honor ourselves above other people. We're born to think about me, myself. And we live in a culture that's promoting that message. If you want happiness, think about yourself. Go get yours, put yourself first. And if you want to live a happy life, you got to be selfish. And then Jesus comes along and says, no, it actually works the other way. If you want to find life, you got to give your life away. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, selfishness is so dangerous. It's so damaging. It destroys so much in our lives. I, I, I was thinking about how to say it, and I, I wrote it down like this. Selfishness drains us. It drains life from us. It, the very life we're looking for, when you, when you take the selfish path, path, it actually drains the very life that we're hoping to, to find. In two specific ways, selfishness in your notes, selfishness creates unhappiness. You're, you're, you ever think about this? Like when, you, when you're only thinking about yourself and what you want and where you want to go and what you want to eat and what you want to do and your time and your, what you want to do with money, and, and then you enter into the real world and everybody else is thinking about themselves as well, and, and then, and then they, they basically thwart your plan so that you can't do what you want to do and you, you, don't want, you can't eat what you want to eat and go where you want to go, and, and so... 
because you can't do what you want to do and go where you want to go and, and eat what you want to eat and be where you want to be and watch what you want to watch, you're frustrated. You're unhappy. The other day I, was, I came home uh, and I said, man, I found this new cereal. It's, uh, you know, uh, 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 crackle, no, 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 what's it called? Uh, honey Bunches of Oats. Oh, it's incredible cereal. I told my wife about it. I said, this is amazing. You know, it's got little clusters of, of, of little whatever they are and almonds in them. And, they're just... and so she goes out because she loves me and she buys me a box. So who starts eating my cereal? These creatures in the house. It's like, the box is half empty. I didn't even have a bowl yet. Who's eating my cereal? Well, Dad, why does it have to be yours? Because I asked Mom to buy it for me. It's mine, my cereal. She buys your cereal, you eat yours, I eat mine. Everybody's happy. See, I'm bent towards selfishness. And what it does is it creates unhappiness in my life. It really does. I've got to work on this. The other day, we were, uh, on Monday, we were coming home from Pensacola. I went down to see a great church in, uh, in Pensacola, Florida, Momentum Church, Pastor Tim Payne, fantastic church down there. We spent some time hanging out. Jack and I came. We went together, came back. We had to take a flight from, from Pensacola to Dallas to Indy, okay? Whatever, we could have drove fast, home faster. But So they send us to Dallas, and... Um, you know, Dallas is just a, a wreck. I mean, they just, they don't have their stuff together, but there's a storm that comes in. So they send us into this circle, circular pattern, like 20 miles out from, from Dallas. And you can watch the plane on the video screen now. Do you do that? Does anybody else, if you fly? Like, so I'm watching the pilot circle and every time he goes around in a circle, I'm like, oh my gosh, again, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Well, eventually we run out of gas and Dallas won't let us land. So they send us to Longsview, Texas, okay? Uh, which I think it, that's the name of it. They don't even have a, uh, a hangar there. So, we're, so, so we, we fly down to Longsview, 30-minute flight. Uh, we land. Now we still got to go to Dallas and then back to Indy. And I'm just, I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling it because I'm, I, I want to go home. See what I want? I want what I want. I want to be in my bed. I want to get a good night's sleep. I want to wake up and I want to hit the ground running on Tuesday morning. And this is not happening. We have a connecting flight. Well, we totally missed the connecting flight because the circular pattern, right? Dallas wouldn't let us land. So we finally get refueled and we get back up and we have another 30 minute flight back to Dallas and then back to Indy. And so uh, we're almost there. We're about 10 minutes out. All of a sudden from the back of the plane, this lady starts walking up like this. (sighs) And I see her walking up and her daughters are behind her and they're calling for an emergency and, and they're like, Hey, my mom is sick, you know, and, and I look over and, and she sits down two rows in front of me like, oh, great. Now you're going to get sick. <laughs> like, seriously? Because I'm already frustrated. My wife is looking at me like, honey, just relax. Like, I'm, stop, stop. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> the pilot should have landed in Dallas and we should be on that flight that we missed. We missed our connecting flight. I'm so frustrated because selfishness creates Unhappiness. So I'm very unhappy, and I'm looking at my wife like, don't look at me. <laughs> this lady's sick. And so the, there's a guy next to her that's helping her, and he's kind of rubbing her shoulder and putting some, some cold stuff on her neck. And I'm thinking, he's probably a doctor. It's going to be fine. So, but she just kept getting worse. You know, she starts to shake, and she, she starts to panic. And uh, I can tell her that she starts to vomit, and this guy's helping her. And, and I'm looking at the flight attendant like, hey, you know, you're going to do something here to help her out. And the this, 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 this situation starts spiraling out of control, and, I, and this woman looks like she's going to die. And like, seriously, and, and her daughters don't know what to do. So I'm like, I'm taking control of the situation. <laughs> so I get out of my chair and I get into the aisle and I walk up to, and I look this, I get on my knee and I look this woman in the face and I said, hey, hey, calm down, calm down. 
Breathe. In and out. In and out. We're going we're to be on the ground in 10 minutes. You're not going to die. It's going to be okay. Relax. You know what she said to me? She said, I don't want to pass out in front of my daughters. I said, you're not going to pass out in front of your daughters. You're going to breathe. I look at the guy next to me. Are you, a doc- are you the doctor? He's like, I'm not a doctor. I'm like, you're not a doctor this whole time? So I, I shoot a look back at the flight attendant like, are you an idiot? Like, what is going on here? So I grab her hand. I'm like, just breathe, breathe, breathe. You're going to be okay. I look back at the flight attendant. I said, could you please get over the loudspeaker and ask if there's a nurse or a doctor on the plane? So he does it. He gets on. Sure, sure enough, a lady pops up. She's a certified nurse. She comes forward. She takes my spot. Thankfully, I go back to my seat. My wife looks at me like, she goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking control. We're going to get this plane on the ground. This lady cannot die. If she dies, we never get home. I was miserable, folks. And, and I still feel it because, because I wanted what I wanted. And here's the thing. If you are constantly unhappy, and I'm not. I'm generally a happy person. Some of you know me. I'm, I'm very happy most of the time. But if you're constantly unhappy, it's probably because you're, you're deeply, deeply selfish and you're not getting your way in your marriage, at work. You pick up Twitter. You know what you see on Twitter? A bunch of unhappy people who are not getting their way. It's not the path to life. Another reason why selfishness drains us from life is because it destroys relationships. It pushes people away. Nobody wants to be around someone who's a narcissist. It's always about them, their ways, their heart, what they want, what they want to do. When you're around a selfish person, it's like they suck the oxygen out of the room and you can't even breathe around them. It's like, I got to get away from you. Listen, if you are constantly struggling with broken relationships and you're constantly unhappy, you have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I being selfish? Chances are you are. There's a relationship expert called Esther Perel and she does a lot of great work on relationships. This is what she said. The quality of your life ultimately depends on the quality of your relationships. I mean, isn't, don't we live life in the context of relationships? which are basically a reflection of your sense of decency, your ability to think of others. See, it's an ability, it's a skill. We have to learn it. We have to be taught to honor others above ourselves. Your generosity, wow. Life comes to us when we decide to think of others and to live generously. This is why Jesus taught this principle in all four gospels that's recorded. I'll show you how he said it in Mark chapter eight, verse 35. If you try to hang on to your life, if you live with a closed fist, you're gonna lose it. You'll lose everything if you're stingy, if you're selfish. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. What is the good news? The good news is that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ can experience eternal life. All seven and a half billion people on the planet, if you will give up your life for the sake of others, if you will love others, you will save your life. What will you save your life from? The destructive forces of selfishness. The emptiness that comes from living a narcissistic life. People who live that way, they die. No one shows up at their funeral. Very, very few. A couple of family members and they drag their feet. Emptiness. The emptiness of self. You you save it. You rescue yourself from the loneliness and the emptiness of selfishness. And you literally catapult yourself into this 
other life, this life of joy, this life of peace, this life of adventure. When you decide that you're gonna give your life away for the benefit of others, you step into a grand adventure. Life becomes exciting. It becomes messy, there are lots of problems, but man, it becomes, there is never a dull moment when you say to yourself, I am going to think of others and live for others and give my life away. Your life is suddenly filled with joy, with peace, with meaning, with fulfillment. You make a difference in other people's lives. You make an impact. Other people come up to you and they say, thank you for what you've done. You helped my family. You helped my marriage. You helped my son. You helped my daughter. And, wow, and you get this feeling of like, wow, I was part of that. Was it messy? Absolutely. Was it difficult? Yes. Was it hard? Oh, yes. But it's fulfilling that's why Jesus said these powerful words in Mark chapter 20, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. What is, what is the more blessed part? Is, does your bank account grow? No, he's not necessarily talking. He's not talking about that. He's talking about your life taking on this quality that has significance and meaning and purpose and joy when you step out, when you live beyond yourself. And really, that's what I'm talking about today. This book teaches, if you read it seriously, cover to cover, and you read it, and you're looking for what it really says. It teaches you to live a life bigger than yourself. You know, the happiest people that I know are living this way. They don't have problem-free life. They don't have a life that's free of difficulties. Nobody gets a pass through that. But what they do have is this quality of joy and happiness and significance and fulfillment and peace. I've got a friend. He's a buddy of mine. His name is Frank. Some of you know who he is because... You a couple weeks ago, there was a video, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't, about the ministry in Haiti uh, that Frank helped uh, started many, many years ago called SMI Haiti. And Frank, for 20 years, has given his time, countless, countless trips to Haiti, money, resources, to build churches, orphanages, feeding programs, schools. Why would somebody do that? Why would somebody give away Thousands and thousands of hours and thousands and thousands of dollars to a place like Haiti. Why would they do that? It's because it's joy producing. It's an adventure. He's making an impact with his life. I've been there. I've seen it. In fact, when I came home, I told many of you about it. And I said, man, there's these 30 kids on a little island called Loganov off the coast of Haiti. They don't have any place to live. And all of you donated $100,000 in a couple of weeks and we built an orphanage for them that stands today, that houses and feeds those kids. Wow. We don't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. I've got another friend. His name is Bill. And he does the same thing in Nicaragua. He's given thousands and thousands of hours and thousands and thousands of dollars to, to this ministry called Hope Road Nicaragua. And many of you know about it because you've, you've, you've seen it. And you've maybe even taken a trip there. Bill and Kelly Llewellyn give their heart and soul to build churches and orphanages and feeding programs. And if, if, you, if you've ever been around Bill O'Allen, he's one of the <laughs> happiest people, one of the most joyful people, one of the most exciting people. Is his life free from problems and difficulty? Absolutely not. He's got all kinds of problems. <laughs> but man, he's living an adventure. I've got another friend. His name is Rick. Some of you know him because he's the Chick-fil-A guy here in town. Don't you just love Chick-fil-A? I know some of you don't have one close by or you're watching online, but thank God for Rick and Chick-fil-A. It's God's chicken. <laughs> some of you don't know this about Rick. Rick takes 
thousands of hours and thousands of dollars and, and his time and his resources. And he takes three or four or five trips a year. He's, he's actually going in a couple of weeks to Columbia. He's, he's, he's our representative to Exodo Church. Pastor Angel, many of you saw a couple of weeks ago, we, we showed a video from Pastor Angel, the 10-year anniversary. You know, who, you know who's been leading that charge for a decade? Rick Johnson. Some of you don't know that. You say, oh, he's the Chick-fil-A guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. He gives his life away to serve Pastor Angel and the church in Colombia that's reaching over 300 people every single week. I've got more friends like this. Why do I hang around with these people? It's because, man, their life is exciting. Their life is filled with joy. They're not living for themselves. They're living a life that's bigger than themselves. They're saying, what can I do with my time and resources that's going to benefit others? This is where life is found. Jesus said it. He said it very simply. Give and it will be given to you. There is more life in giving than there is in receiving. You know, at the end of the day, I can stand up here and preach this and, 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 and tell stories and show you what Jesus said and what Solomon said and what others have said. But the, at the end of the day, you all have to choose. It's a choice. Am I going to live for myself? What we've talked about in the past is first mountain living, right? David Brooks wrote that book, Second Mountain. Happiness through selfishness. Or am I going to take the journey on the second mountain, which is fulfillment and joy through generosity? It's a choice. At the end of the day, being selfless is my choice and your choice. Who am I going to live for today? Am I going to cling to my life and lose it? Or am I going to give my life away with an open hand and find it and save it? You choose. You get to choose. And I get to choose. Isn't that a beautiful thing that God gives us a choice? He says you're free as a human being to choose what you would like to do with your one and only life. Martin Luther King Jr. noticed this and therefore he said this powerful statement. Every man must decide, every person must decide whether he will walk in the light of creative altruism or generosity or in the darkness of destructive selfishness. Every single one of us must choose. I must choose every day. Am I going to live a self-absorbed life that leads to unhappiness and broken relationships? Or am I going to choose to give and lay my life down for others? Now, I'm going to assume that those of you watching online and all of our locations, Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, Greenwood here, that you're like, dude, that's pretty convincing talk you guys gave there. I'm all in. Now, pastors have to do that sort of thing in order to stay psychologically healthy, okay? We imagine stuff, but everybody agrees. Sign me up. Yes, I choose generosity. Are you all there? Banta, Franklin, GP, online? Yes, you there? Just help me. Help me. I might just freak out if you don't help me here, okay? Yeah, you can clap. (laughs) You're scaring me a little bit. Like, you have to make the choice of generosity. So I'm going to assume that all of you are convinced because I showed you what Solomon said and what Jesus said and what others have said. But now there's this objection. But wait, 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 wait a second. I, I, I'll, I'll do it, but, but I don't have much. What, what am I supposed to give? I don't have much time. I don't have much resource. I don't have much money. I'm not that talented. God is not worried about that. God would say to you today, give what you have. It's not about the amount. He's not worried about the amount. Remember the widow's mite, Luke chapter 21? 
Jesus said to the widow who just gave two little mites, not even a penny. Jesus said, this one widow gave more than everybody else who gave large sums. Why? Because they gave out of their extra and she gave out of her need. She gave what she, she gave everything she had. It's not the amount that God is worried about. He's looking at the sacrifice. What did it cost you? You give what you have, not what you, what you don't have. Mother Teresa said it perfectly. She said, if you can't feed 100 people, feed one. I mean, this is it right here. Just, if you can't help 100 people, help one. Well, there's not much I can. Here's, here's what we fall prey to, unfortunately. And I have done it myself in the past. I can't do... I can't do a lot, so I'm not going to do anything. Don't let it, don't, don't fall prey to that. I can't help a million people, so I'm not going to help five. Don't do it. Don't do it. Jump in and do a little bit. Do your part. What does generosity look like? Well, here at Emmanuel, we, we talk about giving and generosity with your finances. Going at the kiosk back there in the boxes and going online, using the app so that we can bless people here in the community and then also across the world. You can text the word GIVE to 65248 and sign up. That's just simple. You say, well, I don't have much. You could do a $5 reoccurring gift. It's not the amount that God is looking at. It's the heart posture. What direction are you moving? Are you moving towards selfishness or are you moving towards thinking of others? Some of you already give. Maybe, maybe you need to give more. Because it's not a sacrifice for you. You're giving out of your extra. Maybe it's your time. It's like, man, I'm so sad. I struggle with that. Like the airplane situation for me, the reason I was so upset was because it was time. People were taking my time. So selfish was my time sometimes. I got to work on that. But maybe you give an hour a week here at the church or somewhere in the community. There's places on our impact team that you can serve. You can text the word TEAM to 65248 and sign up for our next impact night, which is June 7th at 6.30, Monday night. And say, you know what? I've been selfish with my time. I need to give back. I want to be a blessing. I want to find my place on the impact team to serve. Maybe it's in our foster care, foster and care ministry. You know, we, we, we do that here at the church, and we, we try to, you know, encourage parents to foster children. And, and then if you don't feel called to foster, we also challenge you to support families who do foster. If you'd like more information about that, you can text CARE to 65248. And just jump in and say, how can I support a family who is fostering? Or we're interested in fostering. I don't know. Here's the question I want you to ponder. How can I start? How will you start being generous? with your time, with your resources, with all of it? Here's what I can tell you. I, I can't answer this question for you, but here's what I can tell you. The life that you're looking for, a life of adventure, a life of joy, a life of meaning, a life of significance comes to you in a way that you wouldn't expect it. It comes through generosity. It comes by giving your life away. The more that you give, the more you live. Jesus taught this. He didn't just teach it though. He lived it. No one gave more than Jesus. Y'all know that, right? Did I just say y'all? <laughs> I think I did. You guys, you guys know that, right? <laughs> no one gave more than Jesus. And he didn't give his money. I'm sure he did when he was a grown adult. But what, what he gave was his life. Some people think that Jesus was murdered. 
that he was taken against his will and he was murdered by the Romans. And that's half true. Yes, he was murdered. And he was murdered both by the Jews and the Romans. But he wasn't taken against his will. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 18, this is, these are the words of Jesus. No one can take my life from me. Like sometimes they would try to grab Jesus and then he would slip through the crowd and he was gone. You couldn't grab the guy. You couldn't take hold of him. You couldn't arrest him. He would slip away because he was the son of God. He says, no, no one could take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. You may take me to the cross. I will allow you today to arrest me, handcuff me, and take me to the cross and nail me to the... You're not going to take it from me. I'm going to give it for you. Wow. What more could a person give than their very life? For I have the authority to lay it down, and I also have the authority to take it back up. For this is what my heavenly Father has commanded. This was God's plan from the beginning. For God so loved the world that he, say it with me, he gave no one is more generous than God the Father. God the Father gave his prized possession, his son. He looked at his son Jesus and he said, you're gonna lay your life down for these people so that we can be reconciled, so that we can have fellowship, so that we can be together forever. And Jesus says, I'll do it because I love them in the same way that you love them. And together, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit go through the crucifixion and the resurrection so that you can have reconciliation. Wow, the ultimate act of generosity is performed by God the Father through Jesus Christ. Have you received that generosity? I'm not talking about joining a church. Please hear me. I'm not talking about joining a religion. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about receiving the generosity of Jesus Christ who laid down, who sacrificed it voluntarily, his very life so that you can be forgiven of your sin. Have you received that? I have, many of us have. Maybe this is your moment where you reach out in faith and you ask Christ to forgive you of your sins because he generously gave his life for you. If you'd like to do that right now, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. Take these words, make them your own, put your faith in Christ today. Receive his generosity. Just say this to him. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, for voluntarily sacrificing your life. No one took it from you. You gave it for me to pay for my sin. You died in my place. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me from my sin, wash me, make me as white as snow, Fill me with your spirit. I choose to trust you today. Be my savior. From this day forward, help me to choose the path of generosity. To be a giver and not a taker. So that I can find the life that you created me to live. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, whatever campus you're at, watching online, we wanna celebrate with you right now. Can we give God glory, amen? We put a little box together for you. It's sort of a starter kit. We call it our saved box. 
The Bible, said whoever, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Inside this box, there is a Bible, a New Testament to get you started. There's some instructions on how to get connected to the church, baptism, small group. And there's also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations. If you trusted Christ today, whatever campus you're at, text the word SAVE to 65248. You can pick one of these up at the information desk in the lobby. If you're watching online, text that word SAVE to 65248. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. Come on, nice and loud. God is changing lives. Will you pray with me? And then we'll dismiss to our local teams. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that it is our ultimate guide to life. We don't have to walk through this life in darkness. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It shows us what's right, what not right, what's not right, how to get right and how to stay right. God, may we have the wisdom and the courage to take it up and read it and meditate on it and memorize it and journal and apply it and obey it. Give us the wisdom to do that so that we can find the life you created us for. Help us to be generous. Help us to give our lives away. For your sake and for the sake of the good news, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Right now, I'm going to hand things off to the local teams. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.